This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. And this hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors because we want to give all our listeners some really good information, some actual factual facts, <laughs> so to speak, uh, and to help in the home buying process, the home selling process, and also the home maintaining process. That maintaining means not just um, maintain maintenance on the home, but making sure you don't misuse the home like some people did many, many years ago, uh, over 10. <laughs> so, and, and to help me with that today, I have Lizette Hurtado of Premier Home Loan Group. Is that the proper name? Yes, it is. Oh, good morning. Good morning. And um, I got to say in advance, you brought your special guest with you, your daughter, Haley. Good morning. All right, we're going to hear from Haley a little later. She's working on a little something here, and that's going to be good. She'll be ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Haley was on the show two, two and a half years ago. I she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's gone by really, really fast, and you almost didn't recognize her I when did. we got here, huh? <laughs> that's right. Okay, let's, okay, you, being you're in the lending business, uh, Tell, how long have you been in lending? In lending, about almost nine years now. I've been in the industry about 20 years. Really? What did you do before? Escrow. I did escrow for about 10 years. I was an escrow officer. And then I did TC work when I moved back. I was in L.A. when T I was doing Can escrow. you explain to everybody what TC work TC is? TC work, a transaction coordinator. I was working for, um, I moved back here and I started working for a real estate broker. He's an investor, so he was flipping homes and doing all of that. And so I did that for about a year and a half. I just, you know, helped out with the contracts and all the paperwork and inspections and stuff like that. So I've been doing a lot of the different sides of the transaction. So you've worked with buyers before uh, at the, on the escrow part, yes. uh, the, escrow, the escrow part, and now on the lending side. Yes, correct. All right. So you know that even experienced home buyers need a little guidance. Yes, a little absolutely. Because we all can make the, uh, some poor choices. Maybe, and, I, and let me go back to what I mean by a poor choice. Let's say 15 years ago, adjustable rate mortgages were really attractive. Well, here, rate, rates at the time, rates were down around 5% for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, but they throw that teaser out there. Hey, we'll give you 1% uh, for the first year, and, and then it could go up, and it, within three years, it was up to seven or 8%. So maybe it wasn't so wise to do that 5%. And that's where the loan officer we would come, come in. in. But honestly, there's still I still come across some clients that have the seven, eight, 10%. And I'm thinking, Oh, my gosh, it's been so long, you should have refinanced a long time ago. But a lot of people still don't, or they just don't want to touch their loans because everything's been fine and you know everything that happened back when they were scared so they just wanted to leave it alone yeah and then some people also 
uh, maybe uh, put their credit in harm's way. They, they had a collection, overused credit cards or whatever, so they feel like they can't qualify. Right. So that's what I want to ask you so that everybody can start preparing for the home buying season, which by the way, starts today. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and you know, they always say, oh, springtime is when all the buyers come out. Well, yeah, that's true in Minnesota where you can't get to the house right now because it's under six feet of snow. Exactly, you can't even view the homes right now. <laughs> right, but here in sunny California or foggy California. <laughs> For today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you can still do it so the the differences in seasons here is not dramatic like it is there correct um okay so give us some tips how let's say well you got the lenders go by a thing called the fico score correct tell us what fico score is and and so, how you improve it so we pull all three uh, major bureaus, um, the score for all three bureaus, and then um, we use the middle of the three, so it's the average of the three scores. Um, the best way to improve that or maintain it, I would say, is just to keep the balances low. Keep them low enough from the limit of any cards you have. So they they want to see under 30% usually, under 40 or 50% is still good, but as long as there, there's constant activity and if you max out the card and you pay it off right away, that's going to be a pattern, a trend that they see, and that's fine. So they kind of gauge it that way and score your your credit file that way. Um, if you're maxing out your cards and only paying the minimum every time and your card continues to be maxed out, your score is going to drop dramatically. So that along with, of course, late payments and collections. By dramatically, what, what do you mean? And, and I understand credit scores go between 350 and 850. 850, right. So the the I'll say this, and it's kind of weird, but the higher the score that you're used to, if you maintain a high credit score, the minute something happens like a mistake or, you know, you forget for whatever reason you go out of town, it's happened. I've had clients that have told me these stories. They go out of town, they forget about the payment for some reason, and now they have a late payment. It can be 30, 40, 50 points, depending on the card, depending on the activity, and depending on what your profile looks like. If you've never had anything like that before, then it's gonna drop. Your score is pretty high, they're gonna drop it by 30, 40 points. But if it's something that, if your score is already low, it's not going to make a huge difference because they don't have that where, you know, a mm. lot to go. But by maintaining your cards or your balances low, it's always a good thing. Always try to avoid, of course, late payments. The, some companies do give you a break if a mistake like that happens where there is a late payment. You just for some reason forgot because you were going out of town or something like that. Then they give you a chance and they they as a courtesy will delete it so now your score goes back up because it looks like as if it never happened so that's one thing to also keep in mind if something like that happens automatically call the company right away and just try to negotiate for them to delete it completely from your report that that late payment so call the company you're talking about sitting on hold for 30 minutes <sighs> yes but it's worth it <laughs> it's definitely worth it it is because that credit score represents who you are in the mortgage industry. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that, that a number represents somebody, but when you got millions and millions and millions of people here, um, they don't get a chance to know that you're a, 
a good old boy and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll pay my bills i promise it's Th- true they they see all of that i mean that's something huge i've had clients that come in and they say but i have all this money what do you mean i can't i have all this money to put down i understand but we still need that credit for that small part that you're financing you still need that credit you may not know this about me but many many decades ago <laughs> <laughs> i was in the i was a lender and I remember this guy, and I even knew him. And he's, and it's like, well, why didn't you pay that? He goes, well, he goes, they know I'm, I'm gonna pay them. They're, they're, I'm good for it. Okay, <laughs> that's in personal banking. <laughs> but, but when you're trying to get a mortgage at the very low conforming rates of, you know, that are in the threes and fours right now, you are one of millions of people. They don't know who Don Scordino is or who Lizette Hurtado is. Right. It's it's your score. It is. It definitely is. It stands out. Okay. So we're talking about credit cards. Keep them under th- the 30% of your... Ideally, I'd say 30% of the limit would okay. be the best option. Um, also, one main thing that a lot of people don't notice, and I'll tell you, I've been doing this for so long and it actually happened to me. Um, if you don't use any store cards for like three months at least, if you've had them at zero balance for like three months, they'll close them on you. They'll automatically close them on you and that hurts your score too because it drops it. It's Why would that hurt when, when now you can't ring up credit if it's closed? So well, because I, I, I'm asking because I did that. Right, <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm like, oh my gosh, it happened to me. I had like two or three of them close at the same time. Thankfully, they were very new. There were new cards, and it was just one of those things. You go to the store, and they give you a discount if you open up a card or you apply for it, and you use it there, and then that's it. You pay it off, and you forget about it. That's what happened. Well, it wasn't. Um, I hadn't had it for such a long time reporting on my credit report because they were new cards, and so I didn't use them anymore, and they closed them, so they dropped my score. Well. The reason for that is because now they say, well, I don't have, you don't have that credit available. You don't have that much credit available. Maybe, maybe the debt to income ratio goes a little bit higher than they'd like. So now they drop your score a little bit, depending on, again, how long your account has been opened for. That's how much it's going to hurt your score. Mm -hmm. If you've had an account for years and all of a sudden it closes, then it's hurting you more than if it's just been a few months. Okay. So don't store cards at least once a month, 20 bucks on them would be good. (laughs) That's usually what I say. Well, it's good for the economy and the gross domestic product. It's good all the way around. Why not? (laughs) Illogical to me, but you know, I'm not the most logical person either. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. So what if you use the card, you go to, let's say 50%, but every month you pay it down uh, considerably and you're well below 30. That's good. Okay. They're they're going to see that you do pay it below the 30. Right. They're going to see that. I mean, they go by trends now. So they usually, they'll say, well, this is usually the way this person uses their credit. They max them out. And then at the end of the month, they pay the whole thing off or it's maxed off. It's maxed out, but they pay it maybe half of it or even more than half. And then the next, pay period or the next month they'll pay the rest of it any kind of trend like that they consider um if you use it you max it out as soon as you get it and then you only pay the minimum it's going to take that much longer to pay off so they consider that as well 
How about collections? Let's say you have a medical collection, um, a, a $200 collection to somebody. Uh, an app, a, a Comcast a, bill. Yeah, there I you go. I see those a lot. All right. So what does that do to your score and how do you correct those? So it does hurt your score once the collection hits. However, the only way to correct those would be if they if the uh, creditor agrees to actually delete it from your credit profile. Of course, you'd have to pay it, call them, pay it, and have them delete it. If they're not going to delete it, it's not going to help your score at all by paying it. It will help as far as, you know, they see that there's a paid collection. It happened. You took care of it. That's fine. But as far as your uh, score goes, it's not going to go up because it's already hurt your score as much as it's going to hurt by being on your report. So how does somebody know how to improve their credit? Well, if someone comes to you and they say, hey, I have a 600 FICO score and you know you got to get it up there to, to get them good, really good rates and good programs. So the main thing that I look for is, do you actually have any open accounts that are current that are, you know, that you're maintaining? Because a lot of people think that not having any accounts is better. So they close everything out. I've had a client before in the past that they called in, we talked, you know, went over a lot of different things. And they said, no, no, I don't, I'm not ready yet. I don't want to run anything. I just wanted to, I had all these questions. Fine. Well, a few months later, they call me back and they say, I'm going to, um, I'm ready now. I've already paid off everything. I've closed everything out. And now I'm ready. They completely dropped their score because they closed off everything. So the main thing we want to look for to start is if you actually have any open accounts, because that's what's going to be your activity. That's what is current. Anything in the past has already happened. You need to show that now you are current. You pay, you're responsible with your credit. So any open accounts, make sure you have at least one or two credit cards, um, revolving accounts. Um, and if there's any collections, if you are able to call the company and they agree to get it deleted or to have it deleted, then that would help as well. Why would a company delete it? <sighs> to be nice. <laughs> okay. Some companies don't. Hey, it's Christmas you, time. Yeah, exactly. They do say we, we've had many, um, people come out like you know from the credit companies we use and just kind of give us advice on what to, to tell our clients to help them and they always tell us have them call on a friday like towards the end of the day that's <laughs> when people are most happy because they're ready to go home start their weekend and they're more likely to agree to do things like that uh, so, so there's little tricks to it <laughs> yeah well it shows that you know human nature but with that we are going to go to our first commercial break but stay tuned to welcome home radio 940 espn are you ready for fall? Dress for the season with game day gear, business casual apparel, special event looks, and more with the newest arrivals at Patrick James West Coast Classic. Since 1962, Patrick James has been the Valley's essential destination for men's clothing, styling Fresno's best-dressed gentlemen in everything from denim and t-shirts to made-to-measure suits and tuxedo rentals. Step into their flagship Fig Garden Village store, and you'll be greeted by the friendly, knowledgeable team who will find you the right look and fit for every occasion this fall. They stock classic essentials along with today's on-trend pieces from favorite clothing brands including Peter Millar, Robert Graham, Tommy Bahama, Hickey Freeman, 
Patrick James Reserve Label, AG, 34 Heritage, Johnny O, Barber, Tory Richard, Gitman Brothers, and more. You'll find footwear, belts, and accessories from Trask, Cole Hahn, Martin Dingman, CVs, Samuel Hubbard, and other staples to finish any look. Find your fall favorites and discover unrivaled service at Patrick James West Coast Classic, located in Fig Garden Village in Fresno and patrickjames.com. Well, welcome back, and, and that was Haley Hurtado. Um, I'm not sure if we could all hear her over the, the music. The music was kind of loud, but the, the music was great because it's thank, thank heaven for children. Thank God for children. And Haley, how old are you? I'm 11 years old. 11. All right. And the first time you were on the show, you were probably eight or nine years old. And I remember telling you, and you did the same thing. You opened up the, the show after a commercial. And I remember telling your mom, wow, she's going to be somebody. You got a, a spunky personality. Thank you. Even though you're, you know, getting close to being a teenager, you still got a spunky personality today. So, <laughs> um, and, and the song is so true this close to Christmas where thank God for kids because um, that's what makes a home. You know, maybe without kids, we could all have a Airbnb. That this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to read an essay that a, a young girl wrote uh, from Clovis. Her name's Claire. And I asked her to write an essay for me on uh, what her home means to her and why it's so special. So she did. And she's eight years old, she's in third grade, and here's what she wrote. My home is a wonderful place. Also, it's where we celebrate and spend time together. Another thing is there's a lot of space to play, read, hang out, and run around. My home is really decorative too. I have a sister who also loves our home. Our family always has something to do. I really think we're going to keep our home for a long, long time. Our family can always have a party because we love to invite people over. I also have a dog. She is very cute and lovable. My family members are mom, dad, sister, the dog, and me. That is what my home means to me. That I, is so cute. Isn't I it? I love it. And she's, she's like your daughter. She's very spunky and uh, um, a real spark. That is so cute. That's really cute. Yeah. And that's what a, that's what home ownership is about. It's that longevity that Claire talked about, knowing where you're going to be because you've sunk roots into the community, and that um, it's a place for the family. We do it for our kids. Yeah. So Haley, tell me, what's a favorite part of? What do you like about being in your home? Well, I like spending time with like my mom and my dogs, like just like family in general. What's your dog's name? I have two. One of them's name is Max, and the other one's name is Luna. Hmm. I have a dog named Cannoli. 
That's funny. I love that. Cannoli. All right. right. Well, well, I want to thank Haley and I want to thank Claire for teaching all of us adults that this is what a home is all about. So how do we get into these homes for our kids and for our family? And I think starting January 1st, there's some improvement in a thing called conforming loan limits. That doesn't sound so homey, does it? But, (laughs) But the conforming loan limits are changing to allow for more home ownership in our community. Can you tell us what's happening? So they increased the limits um, for FHA and the conforming for conventional. They um, increased, they're increasing the limits again so that we are able to pretty much get more home for our buck. Well, why would they even, who's they and why would they have, (laughs) why would they have limits? Well, because depending on the uh, type of loan, the limit is so that, I mean, once you get into a higher bracket, then there's different, it's a whole different kind of loan and it it turns into a jumbo loan, more higher pricing and the rates and there's a lot of different things that go into it, I guess. (laughs) All right. So this is a program more for the the median, the the average person, not for that $2 million purchase. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, you can still do a loan for a $2 million purchase, right? Yes, of course. All right. Of course. But it's, there's going to be differences in rates and terms. Correct. Um, and I think that's because it's more of a risk. It is more of a risk. So now they're changing it so that the regular consumer, I guess, um, it has more of um, a higher, prices have gone up. So, I mean, they go up and they go down but they've gone up a little bit so now they're changing it so that they can be able to afford uh, more house for i guess better terms we can say you Mm -hmm. know better rates and take advantage of the of the lower rates and the lower fees and me being i'm sicilian i never forget anything i remember when the fha rate uh, or limit was up around three hundred and eighty three thousand, and in one fell swoop about eight, nine years ago, they lowered it to about 286, almost $100,000. And I'm thinking, wow, if I had a house to sell that was priced at 320, I wouldn't like that, that all of a sudden there goes a large pool of potential buyers. Right. You, you're you limited to who can actually buy this house now. So mm-hmm. that it's a really good thing that they've increased it and they've yeah. increased it um, quite a bit. So I think it's a really, we're going to start seeing a lot um a lot more people being able to buy. So what are the advantages to the borrower for getting a conforming loan? So versus Ver- versus the, a jumbo. Well, the pri- the interest rate for one and the requirements, down payments, reserves, things like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Um what so um so FHA went up, but also conventional went up too. Right. So FHA went up. It was at, or right now it's currently at a 314,827 is the loan amount, the loan limit. And now it's going to 331,760 for a single family home. Mm-hmm. So, and then it, uh, it also changed. There's differences for two units, three units, four units. Um, and then for a conventional, it's at 484,350 currently. As of January 1st, it's going to go to 510,400. So it's about a $26,000 difference. 
a little bit it, over. Yeah, and in Fresno County, where your median home price is just uh, a little bit under th- three hundred thousand, going that high would be means you could even buy upscale. Right, it's perfect. Yeah, especially in this area, and most of the counties are right around the same. But you know, of course, there's different. There, it has also changed for the different, the higher counties with the higher you know limits so that i'm just i'm just going based on our area (laughs) yeah okay so if you live in san francisco where your median price is going to be right more digits like above a million right it's got it's changed also yeah Mm -hmm. all right and um what what does that mean in fact i'd like to give a real estate or realtors perspective on what that means for every, uh, well, now that you the, the the conforming limits have gone up thirty forty thousand dollars, right? Um, that means you can buy thirty or forty thousand dollars more home with with the really good rates and terms. And what that might mean is another two hundred square feet of purchasing power a four bedroom rather than a three bedroom maybe a swimming pool rather than no swimming pool so maybe now you can be in this area where before you couldn't because i think that has a lot to do with it too right the areas the prices because Mm -hmm. of the area so for example with the fha before maybe people couldn't be in clovis so much (laughs) yeah because clovis has a higher price range well and i'll give you uh, a personal story about how area matters when I was a young kid and prices were, you're not gonna believe this, but it shows how old I am. <laughs> okay, my parents bought a home for $17,000 in a neighborhood of $23,000, How did we get such a low price in the neighborhood and the area where they wanted to be, which was uh, close distance to schools, uh, close distance to Fig Garden Village where my mom really wanted to be. Anyway, the way we did it is we bought on a busy street. Ah. So um, that's how they got it below. So maybe had that been the factor back then, maybe they could have gone to $22,000 and bought inside. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> those do, those things do make a difference though, right? I mean, the streets, the location, how accessible the house is, how long it's going to take you to back out of your driveway. <laughs> yeah. Well, and today there's a red curb out in front of our old home. Is there really? Yeah, because it's so busy. And back then when I was a little kid, I used to play football out on the street. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. I, I did an open house not that long ago, and the house sits on a very busy street. I forget the street it's on, but it's a really busy street. And I remember thinking, because I parked in the driveway, there was nowhere to park. You couldn't even park on the side. And then I don't typically like parking in the driveway when I do an open house with someone. But I did. And then after when I was leaving, it took me like 10 minutes to just get out of there. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if somebody, you know, whoever lives here, mm-hmm. they're going to have to go through this every day. So here's a point before we go to our next break. The point is these changes can be really helpful, but what they mean to you, I think you really need to have a live lender working with you rather than just a drop-down box on some electronic portal. And you also need a realtor uh, rather than just a website to show you what you can 
what your possibilities and what your options are. And with that, I completely agree. Well, thank you. So you can stay for the next two segments too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, nine forty ESPN. Hey, CG here for Selma Auto Mall, and let me tell you, I have seen the future, and the future is the North American Car of the Year, now at Selma Auto Mall, the Genesis G70. Oh my goodness, it's a luxury car that competes with Mercedes, BMW, and Lexus, but it doesn't come with a luxury car price, and the list of goodies for the Genesis G70, ridiculous. Complimentary scheduled maintenance for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. Complimentary oil changes, every normally scheduled maintenance appointment, but the clincher for me complimentary Genesis service valet for three years or 36,000 miles. They'll perform a remote diagnostic check, come pick up your vehicle, send a courtesy replacement, and return your Genesis when it's ready. That is amazing. And hey, don't forget, across all brands at Selma Auto Mall, all new vehicles come included with a 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. Selma Auto Mall, 15 minutes south of Fresno, 15 minutes north of Visalia. Come on now, why would you buy anywhere else? Welcome back to Welcome Special Home Radio, my favorite real estate radio show. This is Haley Hurtado with Don Scordino and my mom, Lizette Hurtado. Haley, and we do thank God for kids. Cause yes, we do. Heck, what would life be like without them? Oh, too boring. Yeah, that's what I told my parents <laughs> every time I was in trouble. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about lending, and my favorite analogy that I heard one time is that the underwriters are the ones who actually make the decisions on whether approved or unapproved. And I always said they're kind of like the, the uh, Wizard of Oz. I was just going to say that, the Oz... <laughs> You've heard that before? I have. I mean, it makes sense. You've listened sense. to Welcome Home Radio before I, then. I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they've got all the power, but they might be somewhere back there in Kansas uh, in a home office, and they're reviewing files and saying, oh, this one's good. Oh, this one's no good. Yeah, just numbers. <laughs> yeah, and, and by all the power, they might say, well, this one will be good, but I'm going to throw some conditions in here. I'm going to make it fun for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably your your least favorite word, right? Conditions? Yes. Tell, tell the listeners out there what conditions are. So once the underwriter reviews our files and we're hoping for a clean approval, meaning, okay, you're good. You have everything in here. Now you're going to get the loan documents. But that's rare. I mean, once in a while, I think they do it just for fun. Um, they just ask for little things here and there. Sometimes it's just copies of, okay, I see you have these pay stubs in the file, but now I need the next one, just one more pay stub. Or uh, this copy is a little too blurry. I need a better copy. Just sometimes it could be as silly as that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they do look at things and verifications, the verification of employment along with the pay stub, something doesn't add up or doesn't match or doesn't make sense. They want something different and things like that. So those are the conditions that they typically ask for. So I, when I was getting a loan a few years back in, um, uh, the underwriter asked me for a letter explaining why I used my a different mailing address. Um, I messed with them back. 
But and and they took <laughs> it because I think the reason they do that is they're going to sell the loan two years, four years down the line. So in case that auditor four years later who's reviewing these and going to give it a grade of A paper or B paper, they just want every potential question answered. Correct. And they want it answered by you, by the client. So as long as they have something in writing from the client, I mean, whatever the response. So, of course, it has to make sense, the response or the explanation. But yes, typically it's just an explanation that has to come directly from the borrower and that's why they want to have something in the file. Well, my response made sense, although I was messing with them. I said, well, what you have to understand, in in my own handwriting, as to why I used another address for mail, um, I put in there, you have to understand I have an Italian mother. She (laughs) needs to see me all the time. (laughs) So by having my mail delivered to her home gives her the opportunity to cook pasta for me and, <laughs> and to do and see me so that's why i do it but and that I, completely makes sense <laughs> <laughs> well that's because you know me <laughs> but, but but um i really expected the loan officer to kick it back to me and say come on write a real one but they didn't they took it they made the loan and if you see all of the explanations we get you would understand why they said okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah believe me they're yeah at least they could read my handwriting true that's also true because i've had to do that the same thing like can you type it instead (laughs) which by the way i forgot to uh, say this but when claire wrote her essay for me it's very easy to read so she's got good penmanship that's great that's great. I, to me, that's always been something very important. And I've always told Haley, practice practice your penmanship. It has to be clear. You have to be able, someone has to be able to read your writing. You can't just be sloppy about yeah. it. Otherwise, so. it's like mumbling. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> going to understand what you're trying to say. <laughs> All right. Getting back to the underwriting, um, there's been some big changes in the last 10 years. So, um, or actually, let's even say 12 years. So, 12 years ago, um, they had those crazy loans that anybody could qualify for. Stated loans. Stated loans. Tell us what that was and do they ever do that anymore? Um, I know that there are some products out there that are still, that you're able to somewhat do that. Um, Stated loans are just pretty much saying, this is what the, the lender would say, this is how much they make. It's pretty much just putting everything down. You're stating what it is without any proof. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can explain it. And I remember going back 20, 30 years ago, there were those loans too. However, there was a difference. At that time, to do a stated income loan, it needed two additional things. One, it had to make sense. And, and number two, you needed 25% down. So you limited the risk of the lender. 12 years ago, you could do 100% financing, no money down, and do stated income on an adjustable rate loan. I was just going to say on an adjustable, all bad, all bad. Yeah. So to me, it wasn't just the stated loans that were bad. It was the bundled loan where they bundled some exotic or toxic features together. And unfortunately, I mean, a lot of first-time homebuyers 
a lot of people in general wouldn't know what to ask or what to look for so that they can protect themselves. They're going to a professional. So they're going to go based on what the person is telling them to do. Oh, don't worry, just do this. Oh, don't worry, just do that. In a year, you can refinance and get and change it. For now, just do this. I still have clients to come. And I had a couple not that long ago um, sitting with me and we went over their their options and they had, you know, a budget. And after I explain everything, I go over numbers, I go over payments, everything. And they're talking to themselves. And the husband starts saying, well, we can always refinance and get rid of it for now. We'll leave it like this for a year and we can deal with it for a year. And then because it was just a little bit more than what they actually wanted. And I had to stop them. And I said, look, I completely understand what you're saying. And yes, typically you are able to change your loans. Like people don't stay with the same loan anymore for the 30 years. However, don't go into it thinking in a year for sure we're going to refinance. A lot can happen. You never know. Don't go into something thinking for now and then we're going to change it. Because what if you can't? Yeah. And like you're saying, nowadays people don't stay in one loan for very long. And let me give you a really big reason why. That's because rates have been going down. Right. Once rates start going up, you better be happy with the, the loan you have. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If it's um, get into something that if for some reason you had to stay with it for the 30 years, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then even better. I would say go into, look at it that way instead of getting into something that you're going to struggle with for about a year because you're hoping to refinance. That's a bad idea all the way around, I I would say. Personally, I I would say that. (laughs) Just this week, I gave somebody some really good advice who was thinking about buying a home that they would only be in for maybe a year or two before they moved out of state. So the advice I gave was, no, what you really ought to do although do what you want, <laughs> what you really ought to do is buy a home that works for you, for, you know will work for you for the next five years and maybe 10 years. And the reason for that is five years is still short term in real estate. Right. If you have to sell because you bought a two bedroom home, you have two young girls uh, and all of a sudden you have twins and now one's a boy, one's a girl. You need more bedrooms. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that two-bedroom home probably won't work anymore. So um, think ahead. Right. And think ahead 10 years. And that would have been good advice. Let's say somebody bought in 2007 and uh, bought it when prices were, were high. And they had to sell in 2012, five years later they probably were going to lose money. Right. But if they were able, because they had the option, if they were able to stay till 2017, they were going to make money. Right. Right. You have to look at it in the long, but again, a lot of first time home buyers don't consider a lot of those things. So it's our job to educate them and give them their options. And that's unfortunately what happened back when all of these other changes hadn't taken place because now what's happened is it's for the consumer all of these changes are the protection for the protection of the consumer so yes they're a little bit more um a lot of people tell me this is annoying it's too much they're asking for too much and i understand that but at the same time it's for their protection we have to have proof of everything we have to kind of make sure that everything is in line with what we're saying and writing down so that we can protect the client. Let me give an analogy. It, 
it's really tedious, obnoxious, and all that to clean out your all the junk out of your closet. Well, <laughs> consider it the same way, cleaning out your credit, cleaning out. Yeah, it's tedious. It's obnoxious. Um, but at some point, you got to do it. Exactly. And then it's so worth it at the end of it all. Right. So Now, a little tip before we go to our break, and then we'll talk about refinancing okay. because the rates are so low right now. 51% of the foreclosures in a three-year period of time between 2006, seven, and eight, no, seven, eight, and nine were cash out refis, 51%. So that was not the house's fault. That was somebody else's fault who borrowed too much. Maybe we'll blame it on the bankers who, who, who put the loan products out there, but you can't do that because somebody you got to look at what you did, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, when we get back from our next commercial break, we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts in cash out refis. Okay. Thank you. At Good Guys Tire and Auto Repair, we think it's going to be big. That's why our new website was designed from the ground up to take advantage of all the power the internet has to offer. Introducing the all-new goodguys-tire.com. Now, no matter where you are, you can browse our inventory of more than 100,000 tires, schedule service, confirm prices, and much more. Get $25 off a set of four Bridgestone, Firestone, or Cooper-branded tires when you book your appointment online. Good Guys Tire and Auto Repair. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio, my favorite real estate radio show. This is Haley Hurtado with Don Scordino and my mom, Lizette Hurtado. Thank you very much, Haley. I feel like it's a day off. She's doing all this She's work so for awesome. me. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite subject in school? Mm, probably science. Science? Mm. You ever think of getting into broadcasting? Maybe. I'm yeah, not sure. I mean, you're good at it, so why not? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Except <laughs> when you're on the radio, you can't do, you can't do so many facial expressions. Yeah, you have to actually speak into it. So, yeah. all she's, right. She's very animated. She's like me. She has to be in front of people. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Haley, you're doing great. So we'll see you again in a short time. That's it. Thank you. All right. Um, we were turning now to the mom, Lizette. We were. Um, talking about cash out refis, some of the do's and don'ts. I guess I'll, I'll throw out the easy softball pitch. Hey, it, if you got a 5% interest rate right now, 5.5% interest rate, you might want to consider looking into it, uh, into refinancing. But there's a difference, cash out refinancing and rate and term refinancing. Correct. Tell us the difference there. So for the rate and term, you'd be refinancing only the amount you owe, you currently owe on your principal balance, um, and you're just changing the rate. So that would you wouldn't be cashing anything out. Um, your loan or your monthly payment is most likely going to go down. It should go down because you're changing the rate, you're lowering the rate, and you're only refinancing for what you currently owe as opposed to, you know, before when you first got the loan. For a cash out, um, you'd be cashing out the equity on the loan, or at least 
a percentage of the equity. And so then your payment is going to go up depending on how much you take out. So I think it's important for someone to consider, you know, if you're going to be okay with the new monthly payment when you're considering the cash out or how much cash out. It's really nice to to look at your, you know, scenario and think, oh, I can get $40,000 out and I can go do this and, you know, remodel or go on vacation or do things like that. But you have to remember that your payment's going to go up. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of people, you know, don't really know the difference sometimes. So it's our job to give them the options and see which one would be better for them. Some people come in thinking they just want to change the rate. And then they realize, because they didn't even consider, um, they realize that they're able to cash money out. And sometimes it, it's worth it. Sometimes they want to do it. It works for them. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they t just want to change the rate so they can lower their payment. So Yeah. And some of them do it to pay off high or high interest rate credit cards. Correct. How it, which might be good, but consider this. 30 years later, when you make that final payment, you're paying off that dinner you had last week at Richard's restaurant. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, is it worth it? I mean, yeah. to add it to a 30 year because you have a high, you know, it's just, there's a lot of different things. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen people say, well, I want to pull an extra 10,000 out because I want to put a roof on. Okay, right. Good. A roof is a 30 year roof. Uh, that should match pretty well with your last, when you make that last payment, it's time to get a new roof. But <laughs> yeah. but uh, even with automobiles, you know, people will, they have two years left on their, their car. And yeah, they're tired of making that $500 a month payment. So they'll borrow enough to pay it off. But now you're paying on that, you know, 30 years, even 10 years later, you're paying off on a car that you don't even own anymore. Right, right. No, and that's the thing. A lot of people don't see it that way. I've actually um, turned down a lot of, refinance clients because it doesn't make sense you have to go through all of the options and consider exactly what the person is trying to do um, so that you can see if it makes sense or not i had a client that it just didn't make sense for him to to refinance he wanted to turn his loan into a 15-year loan but based on the loan he had it just wasn't it didn't make sense and it wasn't worth it and i said look i can do a loan i would love to do a loan but i'm not going to do it at your expense it just and i explained to him and went over why and what I was looking at and what I was considering and he hadn't even look at it looked at it that way so he was like well I appreciate it thank you so he ended up not doing it because mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense for him so mm -hmm. it's everybody's scenario is different of course and what they're trying to accomplish so we just have to look at all of it yeah and is it smart for them to look at the payment reduction or the interest rate reduction and here's my scenario. Somebody's uh, paid on their loan for 10 years. So they got 20 years left. So now you go to refinance and put on a new 30-year loan. I'll bet the payment's going to sound a lot cheaper. Right. But are they really saving? Right. Well, that's that's the other thing. That's why I'm saying you have to look at so many different things because sometimes it does make sense. Sometimes the person really needs the payment to just be lower to help them out, you know, because of their situation currently. Sometimes the person will look at long term. How much are they going to save long term? So just because they have a higher payment right now, but it's still worth it because long term they're going to be saving more. So it's just going to depend on what the person is looking to do. Mm hmm. Um. And a, a simple way to think about this is, let's say you have a $200,000 loan. Um, 
and you're going to drop your interest rate one percent well that's two thousand dollars a year that you're saving in interest cost right of course your your um principal your taxes and insurance aren't going to change but that that part will right also here's here's a big thing to look at is if you're doing cash out refis several years ago uh one of my listing clients was a big bank who would send me out to let people know that, hey, you no longer own the home. The bank's going to take it back or has taken it back. And you got 30. Tough job. It was horrible. It, that was, I, I hands down, that was the low point of my career. Absolutely. Um, although I, I had some really neat, heartfelt experiences doing it. You know where people cried and shared their story with me, and right. and I would always listen because it's who I am. But here was one: I I looked at their history. They bought the house for sixty five thousand dollars. A few years later, they refinanced and pulled out a hundred thousand. So they're starting up over. Then it went to a hundred and forty thousand. Then two hundred thousand. Their last refinance was for $300,000. They pulled all that wow. cash out and the speed of it started picking up too. They started towards the end, they were refinancing every six months. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. And I remember when I, they handed me the keys, they were crying and saying, I can't believe we bought this house for $65,000. We should be set for life. And here they are moving out. That's horrible. Yeah. Somehow or another, they got stuck in that circle of spending money and using their home to as facilitate, a a, yeah, as a credit card, uh, ATM machine, or a new standard of life. Yeah. You, you, you know, um, maybe all of a sudden you get, hey, if I got $50,000 cash in my pocket all of a sudden one day, I'd feel rich. Right, and day. now they're like, well, we can't go back to not having that, so we have to make it happen again. So, yeah, you get stuck. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. Um, I think for any refinance, um, any cash-out refinance, one thing to consider would be don't cash out just to play. You know, put mm -hmm. it into the, put some of it into the house at least because the the value of the home, you also have to consider that. Is it going to still be worth what you owe in a few years? Is it going to keep going up? Or is it going to drop? And now you're going to be upside down. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of those things. But if you're going to cash out like like that or a big amount, at least try to put something back into the house and do some kind of modification that you think would help mm -hmm. later on as well. Yeah. Oh, that's a side note to this story of the $300,000 loan. The home wasn't really updated and hadn't been in years. So yeah, they were just using it for other things. For, for Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going back to what Haley pointed out and also Claire pointed out, what your home is really all about. It's not about cash out refis. It's not about using your home as an ATM machine. Right. It's about running around, having fun, the family hanging out. And um, that's where we are. We got about- Making memories. Making memories, right. Um, we got about 30 seconds left. So in that amount of time, give me your best real estate advice. Oh my gosh. Talk to a professional. 
talk to a professional and ask every single question you can think of. There is no question that's too. So talk to a professional, not just a drop down box. No, okay. go into an office. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you to all our listeners uh, for tuning in and all of today's participants. Um, Thank you for having in- Including us. the kids. <laughs> and we will be back next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Don.